Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed episode 222 is recorded live December 4th, 2014. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson, joining you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan. And I think we, we had a little bit of sun this last few days. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. Glad to be here. And we also have Jim Schultz today. How are you doing today, Jim? Just fine, thank you. Glad that Mac's here. <laughs> and glad that you're here. Well, thank you. And we're glad that you're here. Well, thank you. Now that we've got the Mutual Admiration Society all signed in. Yeah. That sounds better than a circle jerk, so what can I say? <laughs> yeah, it, it, I didn't say that out loud, did I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it was in there, and I had a comment to say, but that'd make it even worse. So we will promptly jump right on into the news. Right off the bat, we have an article from, Grand, from the uh, Rapid City Journal. Uh, spearfishing proposal creates concerns with stream anglers. The proposal to allow statewide spearfishing and bowfishing of most game fish year-round in South Dakota has riled some anglers. There is fear the proposal could damage trout fisheries in shallow streams and small lakes in the Black Hills. In those areas where you're trying to build a self-sustaining wild fishery, spearfishing could deplete the larger fish, certainly the spawning fish, and could seriously impact the fish numbers in the stream very quickly, said Ev Hoyt, a longtime trout angler of Rapid City. However, the proposal's author, Bill Donovan of uh, Sioux Falls, said spearfishing is simply another way of taking fish, also subject to regulations already in place to protect the fisheries. He says, my proposal was, let's open up the whole state, give everybody a chance to go diving in a lake in their backyards if they want to. If spearfishing doesn't have any impact on the resources and you're okay with taking your limit, what difference does it make? The Fish and Parks Commission is set to decide on the fate of proposal that allows legal spearfishing and bowfishing equipment in all game fish species, with the exception of paddlefish and sturgeon, in all inland waters starting in 2015. Set a year-round season, match game fish spearing and bowfish regulations on boundary waters to regulators of adjoining states. The current game fish spearing and bowfish seasons run from June 15th to March 15th. Waters open during the established spearfish season in 2014 included Lake Ohe, portions of Lake Sharp and Francis Case uh, and Angostra Bell Forge Reserves. Spear of O-Fishing and Northern Pike was open all in lakes in 2014, except those managed for muskie during the June 15th, excuse me, through March 15th season. I guess I'm trying to figure out what the big deal is. They had it for all fish, not trash fish like ours are saying. They're also saying that because a lot of the places are narrow, shallow streams, using a bow and or spear, gives them an advantage that you don't have when you're angling. Mm -hmm. And they're afraid because it sounds here like everything's game except the two items. You know, the, uh, what was that? The two that they said you couldn't have. 
uh, sturgeon and paddlefish. Right. Other than those, everything's fair game. And they figured the breeding, the females would get killed prior to breeding and screw up the rest of the uh, the fishes. So is there, I mean, I, I'm I'm for the spearfishing, but it looks like they already allowed some spearfishing. So I'm kind of curious as to why, I mean, can you go the, is is, is the season, is, can you use a line all year round on these species? Well, I know they have different ones up here. And you got to have different stamps for the different fish. Yeah. 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 In Michigan, we have to have, uh, you have your regular fishing license and you have your trout stamps. Uh, and then depending on what the river, the, the different rivers have different rules depending on the time of year and who's spawning. And the limits. Yeah. And the limits. Uh, and I know we bow fish, but again, bow fish is crap, you know. Yeah. It's, it's usually carp. Trash fish. And yeah. Same for steering. Yeah, I've never been much of a fan of bow fishing. I, I know a lot of people like to do it. Well, it cleans up the carp a lot because they've had a couple of really major contests at Pawpaw, and it's really made a difference out there. I, I can remember as a kid on the Kalamazoo River, they used to have a carp shoot. Yeah. And in one weekend, they would fill up two garbage trucks full of carp. And it didn't seem to hurt the population a bit. Oh, no. No, I mean, and these fish were huge. Uh, you know, we were only kids, but it seemed like the fish were half the size we were that they're pulling out. Yeah, well, they they certainly need to manage the fisheries and come up with some sort of balance. You know, I hope that they let you know some spear fishing in. Now, when they say spear fishing, are they talking? I walk along the shore with a spear, or does that include scuba diving? Well, it doesn't seem to give me. You know, I, I assume they're referencing spear fishing underwater, but it doesn't say. Because they mentioned that you, you know, in one of their quotes, talking about you could go in your backyard and if they wanted to. Well, it's like digging, you know. If it, is that what they're doing? And that, is that the concern there in the narrow, narrow, shallow streams? You see a couple of trout, you can get, you know, oh, yeah. those little suckers pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. If you're at a little stream and you can spear, spearfish, just walk around and stab them, you can. Yeah, it that's, makes it a little easier. But I don't picture somebody who's in a, who's doing a breath hold dive, you know, in a body of water or a scuba diver is really going to be taking that much. Right. And again, if they do the limit, I'm not sure what the issue is because they're legal. They pay for their stamp. They're taking the limit, whether that's by bow, spear, or lure. Yep. Nothing else changes the limits for spearing and, you know, for bow. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. Anybody give any pros and cons on that you saw? Comments? I, I didn't see any comments down on the bottom. Not one comment. Let's see what it says. Uh, you got a login, so never mind. Yeah. Well, this next one is a follow-up of us talking about the diving on Lake Mead. And it sounds like they're relaxing the rules, but it, it, it then again, it sounds like some of the rules that we had talked about before. It said Lake Mead is to allow dives to wreckage of the World War II bomber. The Park Service is seeking bids from dive companies interested in taking people on tours of the World War II-era B-29 bomber that crashed and sank to the bottom of the reservoir. Uh, part of this is because lake levels have decreased, which now puts it into a recreational diving uh, depth. The Park Service announced Thursday they'll offer two-year commercial use permits for guided dives to the B-29, which is on Lake Overton's arm. The permit will be limited to 100 divers per year at the wreckage, but allow the winning bidder to conduct unlimited scuba instruction and chartered scuba outings elsewhere in the Lake Mead National Recreation Area. 
Now, I thought they already had charter boats on Lake Mead. I did, too, and I don't understand. When they say unlimited, I thought it already was, like you said. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's kind of softened the blow. And when they say proposals, is this like a bidding? Is this like somebody says, yeah, we, we're going to do it, and we're going to pay $50 a diver for 100 dives? Is that what the Park Service is trying to do? Well, it said allow the winning bidder to conduct unlimited scuba. So I'm not sure how that works there. Because Lake Mead is a rather large area. Yeah. Well, it was. <laughs> yeah, it is shrinking. Surface area is a little bit less than it was. Yeah. They said in June 2003, archaeologists in the Park Service Submerged Resource Center mapped and documented the wreck for management and educational purposes. Since then, the area has been closed to all diving in order to protect what's left of the aircraft, which we know that's not true because they had that injury on the wreck last year. Yeah. So somebody didn't do some facts checking on this article. Uh, the B-29 crashed in Lake Mead on July 21st, 1948, during a high-altitude atmospheric research mission. The crew of five survived the crash. The aircraft sank to the bottom, but was discovered mostly intact by local divers in August 2001. And then uh, one of the comments down below, it says, actually it was located long before 2001 by a group that wanted to raise the aircraft, but ran into bureaucratic red tape, an Air Force plane in a body of water controlled by National Park Service on bottom lands claimed by the Bureau yeah, of Land Management. And I'd agree with that. Yeah. So how, I have to say that news reporting has gotten to be real crap now. There was a good article in the paper, even our paper, about uh, sensationalism, and they worded such to create, it's like being a flamer yeah. on, on the Facebook or any of the other ones. Yeah, well, they, they, they do that. It's your, your dander up and draw you in, and they're doing the same thing. Well, they well, use Ferguson, for example, as, as a oh, great yeah. example. They use that one in New York that just was not resolved satisfactorily to many, many people. They're yeah. using that one the same way. Yeah, well, there was something else where you, you, and you pick any two celebrities. They'll try and have an article where the headline makes it sound like one celebrity's slamming the other one. And then you read it, and they're just talking. It, there wasn't any anything like it. But the headline makes you think that, you know, somebody's going to dish some dirt on somebody else. It, it's interesting. If you read the paper I, like I was doing today, just looking at it from that aspect, I put a little item on Facebook on this, too. And it's like, it's called a distraction. You keep people distracted with things like this. Oh, yeah. And you don't hear anything about the $17 trillion debt and what it's going to do to our economy because, well, according to government, nothing, and it's no big deal. Uh, things like that. And since we have nobody with Albala in the States, you haven't heard a thing about it for weeks. Up until that, it was, my God, the sky is falling. Yeah. Well, they got all the money. I mean, the whole point of scaring you is to get the appropriations where 10% of the money goes to what they say it is. And the other 90% goes to line other people's pockets for unrelated projects. They just need an excuse to get funded. Oh, you don't hear anything about all the soldiers they sent over there either. It's like, well, don't worry about them now. Well, uh, what are they doing over there? I can, nobody's been able to explain to me what soldiers are going to do. And that's what I'm saying. It's like the key elements you're not talking about. The, the, the good people, you know, Cronkite back in those days. They have a story. Even those guys that did uh, Ordergate, they investigated, reported. Yeah. You don't see any of that, or I haven't seen any of that for years. Well, the, the other thing is, like on that article, there was no fact checker. Is written by one person. I'm going to guess the person was freshly out of school and may have been a freelancer. And you see that a lot. We've got a lot of people who 
you can hi- you can hire people to write an article about anything, and it's fairly inexpensive. Yeah. Well, let's see. The next one up, we have Halcyon Manufacturing Expands. Uh, Halcyon, a growing high spring scuba dive equipment manufacturer, has purchased 23,000 square foot warehouse and office space that more than doubles its current space. Company will be moving in January from its current 12,000 square foot location at leases at uh, uh, 1110 South Main and High Springs to its own building with rooms to grow on three and a half acres in High Springs Industrial Park near County Road 340 and US 41. Halcyon needs the extra space to accommodate new processes, or I said new processes, new products it's been developing. We just released a new focusable underwater LED dive light. We can't keep up with production. The band has been so strong. Halcyon has uh, also brought in a lot of dive suit inventory through a recent deal to serve North America distributor for the Polish company Santi Diving, which I probably pronounced wrong. Uh, Halcyon is about 18 years old and has 30 employees. Now, Halcyon, that's just a cool name, isn't it? Yeah, they've been around a while. Yeah, yeah 18 years. Yeah, But Halcyon, just as far as a name, yeah. you just it, it could be anything. Yeah, yeah. They've... Uh... No, I can't I say them from having some some beefy or tech type um, wings and back plates long before they were popular. Yeah, I was looking at a diving equipment recalled due mm-hmm. to the grounding hazard. One of their VCs. It's the overpressure valve. It could fail. You know how that is when you start reading those. Anything could happen to it. But I just know that I remember uh, a recall on one of their BCDs. On one of Halcyon's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was back in 2009, though. Yeah, it's that's a while ago. The thing with uh, a lot of those, go what ahead. What are they making new? Pardon me. What are they making now? Well, the, they said the dive lights is the uh, the big thing that's really driving demand. Uh, so it sounds like they have a focusable dive light. Huh. But I think they they've always kind of been tech gearish, kind of like a dive right. You go into their website now. I was trying to take a look and see what they did. Well, you look at that. The EOS Mini Light, that's one of the new ones, but mm-hmm. almost everybody's getting into that with the LEDs. Well, like, uh, which we'll talk, we can talk about later on that, uh, that dive, dive light that the shop just got in that yeah, yeah. everybody wants to, uh, get in and buy in. Yeah. Uh, they have the RB80 rebreather. They have DPVs. So they seem to have a, a nice little variety of items. Yeah. The TPVs, I forgot about that. And those are not necessarily inexpensive. These are not like the little babies we play with. No, no. These, these are kid diving ones. Yeah, these are. Uh, but if you're going to make a product, I mean, that's what you want to make. You want to make something where you sell one of them. Yeah, that's a that's a few thousand dollars. Well, like this one is uh, HTB EXP. Uh, it's good for 300 meters. <laughs> Any, your runtime is 75 to 300 minutes. I so, the, the the thing about that is I'm just thinking about the. Uh, you know, what, what's the risk? So if I've got a DPV and I'm doing a cave dive and I get all the way in and then it poops out. It's a long swim out. Yes. Oh, generally, remember, they use those all to do staging bottles and stuff like yeah. that, carry bottles. And again, you got rule of thirds. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, and, bottom, the bottom line for time on most all of theirs is 70 minutes minimum and anywhere from 90 to 300 on, depending on your battery size. So if you were smart, you planned 70 minutes and everything else is gravy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they carry a lot of stuff, dry suits, lighting systems, surface markers, lift devices, BCDs. So, yeah, they're, they're pretty much entrenched. And this next one we have is from The Economist. They're talking about new ways to construct underwater environments. 
and uh, they list off some common items that have been used for artificial reefs, such as toilet, shopping carts, washing machines, and other historic junk, create habitats for marine organisms. Uh, but now Alabama, for example, has banned fishermen from sinking vehicles in the Gulf of Mexico in 1996, even when, when drained of potentially harmful fluids. So artificial reeks, re, reeks. <laughs> reefs are uh, taking their place. Building artificial reefs, they're saying, is attractive to marine life and can pay dividends. Some reefs built in the Japanese water support a biomass of fish that is 20 times greater than a similarly sized natural reef. This now, according, why, would that, why would that be, you think? Well, I think one reason is because you can, you can space it. Uh, you also can engineer caves. Because if you look in the photo here, they're showing reef balls. And so you can make those reef balls hollow. So you're talking about the surface area is quadrupled. Because of the nooks and crannies. Yeah. Okay, I can, I can see that. Yeah, no, I don't know. They say 20 times greater. I, that may be just throwing out a number. But this is according to uh, Shanira Octake, a marine biologist at uh, Fuki <laughs> Prefecture University. You don't say that too, too quick, otherwise you get a whole different thing. He expects further gains from a decision by the Japanese government to build new reefs in deep water where they'll be bathed in nutrients carrying plankton-rich seawater, sea welling up from below said uh, the bounty was also confirmed recently by study at Occidental College in Los Angeles. Over five to 15-year research researchers surveyed marine life. How, how does that go from five to 15? In the vicinity of 10. 16 oil and gas rigs off the California coast. I'm sorry, Jim? You had 10. Yeah, 10. <laughs> Unless there was like an original study on one that was 15 years ago and they've added more recently. But uh, they're compared with uh, several... They're, so they're comparing the, the oil and gas rigs to rocky reefs. Well, that kind of makes sense when you say, Mac, because now you've got a vertical reef as opposed to a horizontal reef. Yeah. So if you're going to measure the you know, surface area that uh, floor was, they said researchers found that the weight of fish supported by each square meter of seafloor was 27 times higher for the rigs. Well, that's, that's like saying uh, there's 27 times more people in a high-rise versus a, uh, a ranch house. And that would yep. sound logical, wouldn't it? Yeah, it just that just makes you can pick any number and it's going to work. They said although much of the increase from the rigs providing fish with the equivalent of a skyscraper style leaving, it suggests that leaving some rigs in place will produce uh, benefits to the environment. I uh, said the hollow core concrete modules have been especially successful. The reef balls uh, with holes in range and heights of two and a half meters. The design promoted by the Reef Ball Foundation, nonprofit organization based in Athens, Georgia. Reef balls can be positioned to make most of those photosynthesis and plankton to drift slowly around the curved inner surface. This improves nourishment of plants and creatures setting up homes within. And I bet those lionfish will love them too. Yeah. Uh, they plan on using underwater drones for long-term studies of reefs and their associated marine life. Is also helping improve design. Sensors can be installed on the reefs to monitor boat track and activities such as fishing and scuba diving. So it'll be like a little vending machine that you you, know, you swipe your credit card through in the on the reef balls when they catch you swimming by them. <laughs> and then they also talk about uh, which we've covered before the using uh, electricity uh, anchored in a frame with reinforcing bars to seafloor sap it. And it causes mineral dissolved in the seawater to crystallize in the metal, thinking the structure. Bio-rock, as a resulting material, has been trademarked. to becomes stronger than concrete, but costs less to make. More than 400 electrified reefs, many the size of small garage, have been built this way. Most of them are around Indonesia. So the Indonesia, that area, that's where they use dynamite and cyanide. To <laughs> yeah, that's mm. probably why they need to have those uh, come back and put some in. 
So the electric current also stimulates coral growth. Once the mineral substrate is formed, divers use plastic cable ties to attach bits of dying coral that have been snapped off nearby reefs. Some pieces recover their color and start to grow again within an hour. But that seems pretty quick. I have four artificial reefs, like a 200-foot shipwreck. Yeah. Well, you always wanted to do the uh, concrete. We really yeah. don't have any, any life to go to it other than the mussels. Well, yeah, I think fish would hide in it. Yeah, I wanted to do the concrete thing. <coughs> you still would think the holes themselves would provide protection for the yeah. small fish. Yeah, like the gobies. Big fish. <laughs> yeah, when we were, that last time we were on Max Rec, uh, there was uh, something down there chomping on the gobies. More power to them, too. Yeah. I don't think there were as many gobies this year as years past. Uh, no. Even around the piers. The density has decreased tremendously. Yeah. So everything kind of runs in its balance. It it peaks and pushes, tries to push everything out, and then it starves and eventually comes down. And then here we get this next one from the BBC, Deep Sea Salvage, Treasures of the Deep. And they talk about uh, excavations of the Tudor ship, the Mary Rose, which sank off the English coast in 1545, found 500 pair of shoes along with 19,000 artifacts retrieved from the site, many of which are now on display. And then the SS Garsopa, on the other hand, was a steamship sunk by a German, German U-boat off the Irish coast in 1941, went down with 110 tons of silver on board. In 2010, the U.S. company called Odyssey Marine won a tender to put out to the government to retrieve that silver from its resting place which was 4,500 meters below the sea level, which is about a mile deeper than where the Titanic sits. Yeah, that's not your normal rape wrecker and pillager, is it? That's no. Business. When, you do it, when you have the money to do it, then you're a businessman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you just want to clear that up. Yeah. You, you're the... Well, good. Well, I was just going to say, at that depth, who's, who's going down to see that? Mm, yeah. No, I was just looking at the photo there uh, for the Republic. You know, where they were trying to recover that bottle and all those gold coins came up in the crustacean with it. Oh, the unfortunate gold coins. Yep. That had to be they terrible. Just, they just wanted to collect that bottle. Yeah, it's just a bottle. That's all they wanted. You know, I, I, I am a stockholder for Odyssey Marine, and I'm looking at that boat, and I'm wondering if, you know, if, if my shares of stock entitled me to, like, maybe a boat ride. <laughs> think they'd let me go out and do some scuba diving? No, I don't no. even think they'll tell you where the boat is. <laughs> I like the part where they give you some figures that that research ship thirty five thousand dollars a day. Oh yeah, ten okay. tons of fuel per day and a thousand dollars per ton. Yeah, they they had because uh, they've got that boat and then they had another one that they lease depending on what they're doing, and it, it was just a huge amount of money that they they go into that. Yeah, it's it's uh, finding treasure is not inexpensive. But their current business plan, whether it's viable or not, is they're trying to, to get good at working at these depths so that when the mining starts becoming feasible, they're they're ready for it. Uh, looking at the pictorials as you go through them, you got silver ingots, and then you've got a lot of soap dishes and stuff like that. It's like, it makes you wonder why they brought that up if they're in there for the metal. Well, they're in there for it all. I mean, they, they, they do uh, do some archaeological work. I mean, they're, that's one of the things they say as they're pulling up the bullion, they're doing some archaeological. Now, I don't think in the Garsopa that there was so much, you know, that they were treating that more as just a big freighter with silver in it. But some of these where you're seeing the the plates and stuff, they bring those up. And if you go to their website, I believe you can order uh, some of these items they bring up. You can actually buy them. 
So so buy them because I need my stock to go up, which it doesn't. It's not it's not really a good investment, but it's kind of like you know buying a lottery ticket. And you can always say you're a part of it. Yeah, well, it gives you a little bit of interest. I figure if nothing else, you get the annual report and you can kind of see what they're doing. And he's and you know the the CEO was a hometown boy from around here, so interesting. Emily, that that'd be a that we could do a show just on that. On the 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 goods and evils of Odyssey. I don't think there's any evils, is there? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, you just have people disagreeing with what they're doing. But when you're a company that's publicly traded like that, you actually have to follow the rules better than anybody else would have to. Yeah, but when you're talking multi multi millions doing the same thing because you're deep, as opposed to doing it in 500 foot of water or 250, you're a raper on one half. The other one, your business, man. That's what I just—I don't like the difference. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's other people's uh, agendas that are overlapping with that. It's yeah, and we certainly do need a program on that one as well. Uh, let's see the was it Gloucester? 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 I need somebody from the East Coast. Scuba divers searching for owner of ring found in Mexico. Uh, Daniel Rourke is an avid scuba diver, loves to go beneath the surface explore, don't we all? He says, just so peaceful when you're down there. But a recent trip to Playa del Carmen, Mexico, was a first for this seasoned diver. He says, we were swimming along. I saw a little shining out of the corner of my eye, a dirty ring nestled in the sand. In fact, once he cleaned it, he saw it as a man's wedding ring with a date, 2-16-13. Also inscribed with the name Jessica and the abbreviation of Spanish saying, meaning you and I against the world. Right then he knew he needed to find its owner, so he turned to Facebook. He posted pictures in the story of what happened, and within two weeks it took off. Right now it's been shared a quarter of a million times. The post spread to 100 countries and has been seen by tens of millions of people. It is now a worldwide search getting wider thanks to massive team effort for search of the mystery woman Jessica and her ringless husband. I think it's really cool to see how many people go out of their way to reunite the ring with its owner, an owner he hopes doesn't actually leave the ring in the Caribbean sea on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine I'm throwing this overboard and it keeps coming back? Uh, Daniel, well, I like the comment section of that one, though. You want me to read it to you? Sure. You found it in Mexico, so most likely it fell off the finger of a dead cartel murder victim after <laughs> the body decomposed. Thanks to Obama's open border policy, it could also belong to some of the illegal immigrants who can, who can afford a ring like that in Mexico but need to be on welfare here. <laughs> Yeah, we can make a program on that alone. Oh, wow. <laughs> but we won't tonight. Is, is this this is like flame bait? It's like, could you let, let's put a, f- a few more things? He didn't. He, the only thing they meant they didn't put in there was some reference to Nazis. Hmm. Hey, I was just reading it. That wasn't necessarily my opinion. No, <laughs> necessarily. I, I looked at the gold. That was a nice color gold on there. With it. Our gold up here doesn't look that nice. Uh, I think that was polished a bit. And we have the first underwater museum in Europe to be completed by the late 2016. This is going to be in the Canary Islands. Islands was home to Europe's first underwater museum and the first to be constructed in the eastern Atlantic Ocean and the island of uh, Lanzarote. An autonomous territory of Spain off the northwest corner of Africa has been con- commissioned the British sculptor Jason Declares Ty- uh, Taylor to build the underwater landmark on the seabed off the Los Corlodos Beach, located near the popular destination of Playa Blanca. 
decision was made official on December uh, November 26th through a signed contract. Mac, they've been listening to you. Someone oh. in Europe has been listening to the podcast. How many times have we gone past those sculpture in and oh. out of the St. Joe River yeah. and said that thing belongs on the bottom as a you know a dive attraction? Well, now they're going to do it. They're going to do it in Europe. Yeah, art underwater. Oh, they're more cultural than we are. What can I say? Mm. I wonder who, what kind of scuba diver they're attempting to attract. Well, you know, when you think of culture, you think of the wine and cheese crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, not the uh, well, ripple th- and ripple and cheese in a can crowd. <laughs> well, what I think you're seeing with a lot of these, especially this artist work, is they're trying to take the pressure off the you know, call them the old house reefs that people have been diving on and stepping on and tearing up. Yeah. So they take some sandy bottom somewhere that's in about 25, 30 feet of water, and they throw a bunch of these statues there, put some moorings up so boats can tie to them, and then you get the snorkelers and scuba divers all at once. With culture. With culture, yeah. With you know, culture. Well, so we dive play banks, so what the hell? I'd go down and dive to see them, too. I'd, they don't even need to be people. They just could be like blocks. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't need to be yeah, that fancy. You, know. you look at that one picture, it looks like Times Square at New Year's. Well, here's the thing. Everybody all over the world's paying this guy to do that. Yeah. Now, do we need that in Michigan? Just have him come and do that? What would he do in Michigan? Maybe we need to ask him. Mm. He wouldn't in Michigan because it's too cold and nobody dives here. But you could, uh, well, you pay oh, him. Oh, I bet he does it anywhere. Just the hardy dive in Michigan. But, you know, like here, he, if you look at him and the stuff that grows on him, he would have to figure out one that would look good with zebra mussels. Yeah. Yeah, be obstructed in the face pretty quick. Yeah. Or you could design it so that when the zebra mussels grew on it, it, it actually completed the design. Yeah, it could be a hoodie. <laughs> like a little hoodie you could have. Could could you also have, like, uh, pants that were hanging down around your, your back of your thigh? Only in, well, I guess you could do it this side of the lake, too. But I was thinking more in, in you know, Lake Huron and the Detroit River, where we're really in the hood. If if you have comments, you can send them to the show at scoobobsessed.com. <laughs> <laughs> we're always looking for feedback. Oh, but I'm looking. If you go to the, the artist's website, which is underwatersculpture.com, I mean, there's some nice pieces in there. See, I kind of like to see. I I would like uh, his stuff, but more in a Salvador Dali type of way. Hmm. My wife and my daughter say I have no culture, which I don't. I went up to the Rodin Museum in, in Paris, and I'm looking at it. And my biggest comment is that guy all the statues have disproportionately large feet. <laughs> once I realized that, I couldn't enjoy most of the work because it's like his feet are too big. It's like, couldn't you look at her people and see what size their feet were supposed to be? Yeah. Well, I mean, the doors of hell were pretty interesting, things like that. But uh... no, I just wish they would have finished some sculptures. Yeah. You know, Michelangelo's David. He's got no arms. Come yeah. on. <laughs> well, if, if that's not your style, we can always go to Siberia, where divers plan to build an underwater chapel at the Lake uh, Bacall on the bottom. The chapel will be built of sunken logs at a depth of 10 to 20 meters. I Hopefully they're not having creosote in them. It's, well, it's, it's Russia. They don't care. Uh, amateur divers enjoy the ringing of underwater bells. To let amateur divers enjoy the ringing of underwater bells. 
Is that a thing? Are we missing out by not ringing underwater bells? I'll be a clocking spieler. We should get that. We should take it down for maybe New Year's and listen. And maybe that would be a really uh, new thing to do. Yeah. Okay. I've got the gong. It's already made. It's made <laughs> out of a scuba tank. There you go. You know, I've already got one. It's like a wind chime, except it doesn't tinkle at gongs. Call it a water chime. It's a water chime. That's right. Yeah, they're, we'll they're take, saying... Take it under for New Year's Eve, and we will test it out. Who knows? That could be our potential uh, recall device. Yeah. They say... But we can all carry bells with us. Is that what they mean when they say, and with bells on? That's not what I think they had in mind, but we'll see. Yeah, they said they've done uh, a, an underwater sound check already. They submerged church and ship bells. They said the sound was very pure and was heard a distance of more than 40 meters. The chapel will be built of sunken logs, and those amateur divers will be able to enjoy the ringing of the underwater bells. I'm serious about that. Does anybody know who's got, you know, talking spielers, a series of the bells that we could do? Because that would be really neat to do on an ice dive, because we could yeah. do an audio of that to see what it really sounded like and share it with the listeners. Yeah, that would be nice. I'd invite some culture. I'm just wondering who's got one of those bells who would dare let us use them underwater. Well, I figure we could get a couple of different type of cowbells. I mean, yeah. got to go yeah. with our, our budget, which isn't very much. Like, none. well, I, I kind of like Jim's idea where you take the uh, you take some old tanks and you just mill them down to different. You got to tune them a little bit. Yeah, cut Those them different heavy. lengths. Heavy. That'd be heavy, but you, you, you could do the what is your bailout tank? Baby tank for your argon, kind of a couple of those. We could do that. Yeah. Well, what I'm thinking is that you 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 come up with some sort of lift uh, thing where it's a pole with two lift bags on each side, and then you've got you know say seven or eight tanks, and then you play them with like uh, rubber mallets. Now, we'll have to experiment. Time. We could do something like this. Yeah, we will have to experiment. And yep. then you know we could have the, we, here we've got we could do a, a a concert. Do a jingle bells. Play jingle bells jingle for New Year's or yeah. you know. Yeah, I, th- I think this this sounds like we're going to have to try this. Mm. And we can do it in the pool first. Pool or the river. Or the river. I will have to put that back there in the back burner because this has possibilities here now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and nobody else will ever think of it because it's not like we said it to where anybody could hear. <laughs> right. If or, or anybody would care who listens. Our, no. two, our two listeners. Uh, I was going to say three of. Three, three of, of our listeners, you know, our three listeners, but there might be more than that. Yeah. Well, let me see. Lurking and surfing, so... I think he must be coming and going. He's been here before, though. Who's that? On the, let me go back where that is. Surfer George. Oh, Surfer George? Yeah, he's in the chat room today. We also had Dave yeah, show up in the chat room. Hi, Dave. Hi, George. And then here we, we have, go ahead. In California. Yeah, yeah. We've got some, we've got a few. And I know from looking at some of the reports and stats that we have them, some of you are a little behind, so... Right now, we're just getting into December. Many of you, by the time you hear this, it will be next year. I don't know. Are we are we running too long, or was it taking everybody that long to catch up? Or they need longer drives to work is probably what happens. Either that or they're waiting for show notes. Show notes. Well, there are a few who do that. So when when I get them up, they're going to have like two years' worth of stuff to do. I'm, gosh, I did not. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit later section. So let's skate through these. Uh, then we have a diver who's proposing a dive facility for Emerald Canyon. And I'm trying to figure out where are we talking about here. Sometimes it's a challenge of figuring out where they are. Wherever it is, they. La Paz County? Parker, Arizona. They got water in Arizona? Sounds like a major dive destination to me. 
Yeah, well, they're saying uh, that the La Paz County Board of Supervisors heard a presentation regarding Emerald Canyon Golf Course that the supervisors later described as intriguing. Rick Johnson, a veteran diver who's spending some time in Parker, proposed using the canyons and terrain at Emerald Canyon to create a swimming diving facility. He said such a facility could be used for many purposes, including swimming, dive, search and rescue training, rehabilitation programs, and recreational activities. said a facility could be as popular as Blue Hole in Santa Rosa, New Mexico. Uh, it's considered to be, uh, this is uh, according to information provided by Johnson. He says, this natural deep lake is part of a chain of lakes in and around Santa Rosa. It's considered to be one of the best inland scuba diving facilities in America. It's become a major destination for divers and Old West history buffs. What divers like best about big holes, the clear water and the constant year-round water temperatures. He said that with the topography of the Emerald Canyon, is such that two-thirds of the dive facility is already there. One of the canyons, excuse me. As a golf course, it could be dammed off and the canyon could be filled with water for a dive facility. Circulation system could be installed to keep the water clean and fresh. He said it would be nice to have such a dive facility for the area since there are many for many any direction for miles around. He says it would benefit the, the economy. He says the parks directly across the street from the golf course benefit from divers and others camping there when they use a dive facility. It would not interfere with golf activities. It would offset lowered golf revenues in the summer. The facility would also help motels, hotels, and restaurants in the area. Okay, I just went up and looked at the map for that, for the golf course especially. Mm-hmm. The Colorado River flows right by it. Yeah. So they're actually taking the water from the Colorado River. It splits Arizona and California. So that makes sense. If you had that canyon and stuff, you could fill up with water, mm-hmm. it'd be interesting. Plus, they could pick up golf balls on the side. Yeah. Well, if it, if it was clear water and diving, I I think it'd be great. Any place we can dive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still looking. We need we need a quarry or something in Berrien County. Well, the smaller ponds and some of the quarries are getting a lot more ice than the bigger ponds and the bigger lakes. Yeah. Yeah, for ice. He noted grants are available for training facilities. Well, I think it's there probably is. I mean, there's if you know how to write a grant. Yeah. Because you think about it, you've got public safety teams that need places to go, and if you're able to justify it. I mean, look at this fire truck that Bering Springs bought here. I mean, do you have any idea, Jim, how much that was? Was that like a half million dollars or something? A uh, new truck could easily go well, upwards of a half million dollars. Well, this was the, the simulator. It was a two, uh, I don't call it simulator. It's uh, it's like two semi-trailers, and they can reposition them, and they, can, they light it on fire. Oh, no, so I haven't can, seen that. So you can go in. Yeah, they got it in... Yeah, Bering, it's, Bering Springs has it, but they got the grant in that they can, they have to let. Probably countywide. It's all, it's countywide and it might even be more than that. Yeah. So, but they've been, they use it and it's an amazing piece of equipment. It's unbelievable, but the amount of money it was was astonishing. I want to say it was like five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000. That would not surprise me. Yeah. And then we've got some photos. This is, this is one that we've seen many times before, but still I like to, to see it. This is the, uh, that lake, let's see, which in Austria. Yeah, if you can pronounce those names, good for you. That's a very nice shot, though. Well, well here it is. I, I, I think I can pronounce this one. Here I go, Green Lake. Yeah, what about the next one, though? <laughs> of course, Green Lake is really Gurner Sea, uh, the southern Australia province of Styria. And during the summer and the winter lakes, the town of uh, Trogos, it's a foot of cap snow on Hashkwab Mountains. In where? <laughs> Hashquab. <clears throat> I don't think you got it quite right. Yeah, I, I think it's about as close as You need a bigger, longer. A bigger, longer. Yeah. 
The photos in this one are really nice. Yeah. I like it when they have the fish and you and it's not normally where you would see fish. That bench is a classic as well. I like the one that had the melting snow floods park paths providing stunning waters. That's where you got the, the walkway and the bench underwater. Yeah. That's pretty clear freaking visibility though. It is. I would take that. Beautiful. I didn't think you were allowed to have visibility like that though. Not in freshwater. Where's the mussels? And then we have a we have a video of the week. Oh, this, a side note. Did you know they have underwater spiders? Uh, no. I'm looking at some, and it's like, damn. No, I have not seen underwater spiders. Yeah, go down. So that that whole section is really good if you haven't went through all the pictures. Uh, the clarity is is absolutely phenomenal, but the spider ones is creepy. Yeah, I'm taking a look at it. See, I don't think that those spiders are are. Well, I guess they are. I mean, they're underwater. Yeah, they said they have adapted. They get that air bubble and put it so they can breathe and go capture a bubble and come back down. Though it only works, though, if you have, like, flies who are doing the same thing. Well, that's a good shot of the zebra mussels, too. Yeah, they do have some zebras there. The mantles there almost look like teeth. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're pretty vicious looking. Now, they say they take advantage of the snow melts and the river level rises, but zebra mussels can't live out of the water at all. Yeah, they can in a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, really? Oh, yeah. Well, but I'm imagining that this is six months out of the year dry. But I guess it would carry some nutrients down to them. Yeah. Nice pictures, though. Yeah. Beautiful pictures. Yeah. And we probably won't be too long for, hopefully, for another batch here in the spring. And then uh, Patty had a video that they put out, which is never fall in love with a scuba diver. And I don't know, maybe we'll, uh, I'll, uh, throw this into the show notes or something but uh good job i think patty did a nice job in the video and then with dima coming around we have quite a few articles on potentially cool scuba gear let's see what this first one is some of these i i found a few weeks ago so i'm already starting to forget what they were a lot of robots and uh yeah a lot of vehicles yeah they have they have a snapshot of a anguilliform robot fish swimming that's what looks like an eel yeah it's a, it's like a blue eel it's like a bunch of battery sections all hinged swimming they hope to be able to operate it remotely a small sophisticated intelligent enough to operate autonomously devices must be flexible and operate in narrow spaces like a snake they said it was inspired by the anguilliform fish due to superior flexibility compared to other fish forms a team in Singapore has developed and built prototypes of the eel-like robot fish. Mechanically, the robot fish consists of N-links and N1 joints and is controlled by torques applied to the joints is designed to move forward and backward as well as turning around through different reference inputs by three-dimensional coupled oscillators. An artificial neural network and an outer amplitude modulator. Yeah, that is somebody just trying to BS us, I think. I'm calling bunk on that one. Bunk? Bunk. Horse hockey. I don't think that... that I have no doubt they're working on it. I don't think that they're going to do anything. I think somebody fishing for money. And then another one is Scripps Institute of Oceanography. says they have a new technology that enables historic finds. They said the an endeavor to employ a suite of oceanographic research instruments to find downed World War II aircraft. The remains of troops listed as missing in action for 70 years are subject of a film by camera maker GoPro in the CBS News magazine 60 Minutes. Supported by a grant of the Office of Naval Research, Scripps Institute of Oceanography, UC San Diego, Oceanographic Eric Terrell, and colleagues from the University of Delaware have teamed up with a nonprofit group, Bent Prop Project, and a private p- 
partnership, a public-private partnership, to bring closure to families that waited for generations' final word on the fate of their loved ones. At the same time, the project provides a testbed for developing underwater search technology methodology and is a platform for inspiring public interest in science and engineering. So this year they found two U.S. aircrafts are associated with airmen that have been listed as missing in action since World War II. This is in the Republic of Palo. They go on. It's kind of like a press release. So Bent, and then when they say what this group is, it says Bent Pro- Project is a group of individuals and entities that have come together to solve the problem of 83,000 Americans considered officially missing in action by, depart- by the Defense POW Missing Personnel Office. The group includes volunteers, scientists, and engineers de- dedicated to the mission. Now, when they say bent prop, I'm assuming they're meaning underwater. From this, I would imagine it seems like it's got to be that underwater. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Looks like we'll have some videos that will come out of it. And then deep sea salvage, finding long lost treasures. That, oh, we already covered this one earlier. Yes. Uh, How did I get that one there? And then we have an article about uh, lidars. They're saying it's going to allow underwater vehicles to do some mapping, and they're saying it's a green laser. So they're being used primarily to map coastal waters at nearly 600 pounds. The systems are large and heavy and require costly piloted aircraft to carry them. The Georgia Tech Research Institute has designed a new approach that could lead to uh, uh, underwater LIDARs that are much smaller and more effective than the current full-size systems. They said it's designed to gather and transmit data in real time, allowing it to produce high-resolution 3D underwater imagery with greater speed, accuracy, and usability. So what they're doing for testing is they're simulating the movement of an actual aircraft. The prototype must be flown over a laboratory pool to do this. Researchers install LIDAR into the gallery above the large water tank in Georgia's Tech's Woodruff School of Mechanical Engineering and then operate in a manner that simulates flight. The LIDAR uses a high-power green laser that penetrates water to considerable depths, firing laser beam every ten thousandths of a second. The aircraft allows the team to study the best method of producing accurate measurements of floor of the pool. So you put that on one of our Predator drones on it cruise the oceans and when it sees a submarine down there, it says, ping, hi, I see you guys. Well, yeah, of course. And if you don't think that'll be one of the first major applications of that. Well, I'm sure that's where the funding's coming from. Yeah. But if I can get one that's the size of a flashlight and we can go and find a shipwreck with it, <laughs> I'm all for it. And then this next one from CBS News, they have an underwater robot. That maps uncharted Antarctic sea ice. It's actually not doing anything we're not doing everywhere else. The difference is we're doing it under thick ice for a change because you've got some kind of signal that you, instead of tethering it, it can go out, do its thing, and then come back to the home base. Yeah, so it's a 300-pound AUV. It can operate for hours below the ice. Uh, said the researchers were able to map the Antarctic ice in three for the first time with the help of the yellow robot named Jaguar. They said there was plenty of data from the Arctic showing sea ice had receded. The picture of the Antarctic was less clear. One of the major differences of the Arctic is that we have long-term measurements from submarine as well as recent measurements from satellites. The challenges of thickness have been dramatic. Ice is thin 30, 40% of the decade. We have a pretty good picture of what changed uh, in the ice. A uh, different story in the Antarctic where scientists thought the ice was thinning but it had incomplete data to go on. Because we aren't able to monitor thickness of ice, we only had half a picture. We can see changes in the area, but we couldn't see changes in thickness. That is where the, AO, the AUV work comes in. I yeah. like the article. The better part, and we all, I'm not going to get into politics and controversy, uh-huh. oh, of course such not. as climate warming, but if you were to go to the bottom and read the comments, some of them are pretty good. Well, I think they discovered in this, they said, we can now measure ice as far greater detail 
I'm excited to measure ice up to 56 feet thick. And, I think uh, someone took exception to some of the statements they have about how we're melting the world. Yeah. And it's got to be us. And some of these other items sort of prove that that's not true because it's happened already before we were here. Oh, yeah. So it, it's interesting. No doubt we're accelerating it, but it's happened before, people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and some of the others will say. Yeah. And, and yeah. And we can get into it, but. Yeah, boy, some of those guys are typing. Like this guy does all caps. <laughs> yeah. Get your attention. Yeah. But they said the data collected from the AUV allowed scientists to include that the sea ice was much thicker than earlier believed. And then this final one, how would you like to live here, Mac? I looked at the pictorials. Uh, I'd seen this a couple of weeks ago. I prefer to live towards the top of the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what, what, what we're talking about is... Uh, Another one of these cities of the future, a floating sphere that houses an entire city and sink to the seabed in extreme weather, they said, could be built by 2030. Yeah, I find that hard to believe. Don't you? Well, I do, too, because for one thing, you know, 2030, how many years is that away? And that's, what, 15, essentially? Yeah, yep. 16 years, yeah. Yeah, they said the uh, Tokyo-based construction firm, uh, Shimuzu Corporation, has revealed the concept of futuristic city. Called ocean spirals, a massive structure float on top of the oceans and submerged during bad weather. Each sphere is sixteen hundred feet or five hundred meters across, can accommodate five thousand people and homes and hotels. The spheres will be placed on the top of spirals two and a half miles deep with a search station on the seabed. What? That doesn't make any sense. So they're saying that so you've got a sphere that's five hundred meters across on top of spirals. So what they're saying is like a stairway? You know how you can rotate something down, a slinky, yeah. or roll it and you expanded it, mm-hmm. go down and come back up that way? I'm, I'm just curious about the gigantic spiral structure plunges to a depth of two and a half miles. We don't have any major size anything that goes down two and a half miles. And you're talking a structure that's how far wide? Well, the sphere was 500 meters. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, a third of a mile. <laughs> I mean, 1,600 feet. I mean, that's just, it's just it's, that would be gigantic. For one thing is, would the mass be enough? Because a sphere, that's going to have a lot of buoyancy. So is the weight of the material enough to sink it? Well, I'm trying to look at that pictorial. I can't tell if the sphere is encapsulating the housing in the middle and that's full of water. Oh. It can't be void because it's void. That's got so much buoyancy. I don't know how the heck you're ever going to get that. Maybe ball. maybe that's what part of it is. If it wasn't, if it was like a shell around a center core, yeah, and then that's water in between the shell and the center core. Yeah, yeah that's what it's like. that that would have to be because like there would be just there would be just way too buoyant. Well, yeah. since there's eight billion people on Earth, if we all gave three and a half dollars. Yeah. They have enough to build this because they said it costs $25 billion. They yeah. said if construction begins soon. So they're saying it's going to take them, like, from now until 2013. And $25 billion. Hey, I'd give them three bucks. I would, too. Of course, if you look at that other photo down there, it doesn't look like – it looks like that is a void. It says people could live and work in the city and come and visit the location with some amazing views. Yeah. I just don't see how you're going to do that. No, I, I don't either. Someday. Uh, it's cool. I'm glad that people get to play around with ideas like this. 
I'm just trying to think of what kind of structure we've got that can handle the pressure. I mean, just think of how deep. I mean, if you did this in shallow areas, I could say, yeah, but not, you know, not in a five-mile deep area. I like the the other one by this corporation, Obashia, O-B-A-Y. Anyway, claimed it could execute an out-of-this-world plan to put tourists in space within 40 years by building an elevator that stretches a quarter of the way to the moon. Mm-hmm. And they could use carbon nanotube technology, which is 20 times stronger than steel, to lift a, to build a lift shaft 60,000 miles above the Earth. Yeah, there's a lot of people working on that one. That one's been going on. There's the uh, space elevator. Yes, group. I've heard of Yeah, and there's some theories on that. Uh, I think they're honestly. I think they're gonna. We're gonna run. I, I'm for trying it because I think there's a lot of benefits that come out of the engineering and of that. But I think we're gonna run into some stuff we didn't anticipate. Like you now have a multiple mile lightning rod that builds up static electricity. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you well, the, the NASA did a, something a, a few years ago where they did a tether. Uh, they they had a satellite or some object and they threw a tether like two or three thousand yards and they said the thing was just picking up stray electrons in the atmosphere like crazy. I think I remember that. Free one. energy. Yeah. 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 If you could figure out what to do with it and tether it down to Earth, yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to be the guy who you know you, you like we got the one guy who's holding on to it, licks his finger and touches you right behind the ear. Yeah, a permanent lightning bolt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, God, we 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 did it again. That does it for scuba in the news. Really? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Again, again, two weeks. We've mm. we, we've we've done a extra long. Dilapidated the news. Dilapidated. I think I think we're dilapidated in some ways. I think we destroyed the news sometimes. Obliterated. <sighs> does that mean it's time to talk about diving? I think it is. And uh, let's see. So so. If you remember the week before, we had all done the river dive up in Niles, and we had our Thanksgiving day, and that was last week's show. And afterwards, we had the turkey dive, which was Saturday, a tradition of the Michigan Underwater Dive Club, which how many years has that been going on? Is that like since the club formed, Mac? I cannot remember, but it's got to be at least 30 years. At least 30. So more than a couple. Say again? So it's been more than a couple. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was Saturday, and we and, and actually Saturday was a nice day to paint a picture of it. Uh, water levels looked to be a little high, uh, seemed maybe a foot higher than normal, which means that the wind was coming out of the, the west and kind of blowing the, the lake waters up the, the river a little bit. Uh, we had sun. Uh, I'd say what temp- temperature is about 50. It was 42 when I got there. When we left, it was 52. 52, yeah. So we had some, we had some nice weather. We did not find a body. You know, just get that out of the way. There were no bodies to be found this year, except for live ones of our divers getting in and out. Yeah, the only bodies we found were the ones on the bottom that were our buddies. Yeah, we had a, a couple divers trying out dry suits for the first time. Yep. And uh, I, th- I think in a, they... In a controlled environment. Yep. Yeah, and I think they did. They had a they had a good experience. Uh, I, I don't think it was the experience they hoped for. I think everybody hopes you jump in a dry suit and it's perfect, but it is a lot of hassle, isn't it? <laughs> And the fact that it wasn't their dry suits, they couldn't trim their own seals. Uh, I, th- I think there was a little, cause there's a few comments, which is the same thing I thought of as darn this neck seal's a little tight. Yeah. It's a learning experience, and that's what you do. You take small steps, you learn, and you know what you want to do and how to do it later. 
Yeah, yeah, I I agree. And we had let's see what what, what do we have? We had uh, you were in the water. Uh, Larry Ken. Larry Ken. Pat. Yeah. And you okay. actually you actually got wet. No, you didn't participate in the. Well, I brought my gear down to the shore. That's had, three weeks in a row for you now. Yeah, yeah. I brought my gear down to the shore, and I did put my feet in. But I, I looked in the water, and it's like, oh, I've been here and done that before. This was from the surface. Let me describe from the surface, and Mac, you can verify for me if it was that way in the water. From the surface, we had a sunny day, which would make would make you think that you might have a little bit of visibility reflectivity, but you could not see the rocks that were in one inch of water. And I'm thinking, Viz has got to be one to three inches at best. And I just did not, you know, I, I with the two new divers in the dry suit, I, I'll, I'll say I was, wait, I was, let them have the honors. And I did shore support. So, so what was Viz, Mac? Well, when we started out, it was probably about that. <laughs> but when you got down maybe 15 feet or so and your eyes adapted to the darkness, you could see more than two inches. <laughs> More than two inches. Hey, two inches. <laughs> Actually, you could you could see you know put your arm out and you could you could feel pretty good and have a, a glimpse. But if you took that new brand new light, that LED one with uh, two or three different power, you could see at least three feet. That looked like a nice light. Uh with a very nice light. And lights are one of those things where technology is moving so fast that if you bought a nice light two years ago, it's time to upgrade. Well, the price wise, anyway. Oh yeah, it's it's reduced by half because what I've got is about two years old, a little well for me, and that new one is as good, if not a little better, because it's got some features that I don't have. Yeah, and yours was uh, HID. Yeah, yeah, I mine's used, and mine put me back five hundred. Yeah, and that new one beats that one, and you're talking a brand new one with batteries you can get other places. Yeah, rechargeables too. For less. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 and, the, and the canister is smaller too. Well, yeah. I, I liked how the canister was finished off. Uh, looked like everything, it, it, they had taken some time to, to kind of smooth and cover over the edges and very nice looking dive light. Did anybody find anything? I didn't see anybody. I don't remember anybody bringing any bottles or anything up. No, I, there's some stuff on the bottom. It's more I'm just playing around, uh, just enjoying being down there. Yeah, I was kind of curious, you know, had we had a little bit better viz, since that's all been recently dredged, I was wondering if you could... Yeah, I, I don't know how that dredge works. You know, when they come in, they uh, when they're dredging, were they clam shelling or are they sucking? No, they they were they had a clam shell. Well, it depends. Not in the in the Whirlpool Basin area and the training basin, it was clam shell. But in the river, it was a guy with a barge with a backhoe, oh. a big one, bringing up stuff. The shoreline goes more down; it's more acutely down. Yeah, and you could actually now there's loose rock, big piece of the concrete. As they're coming up, you'd make an avalanche, so you wouldn't want somebody under you. Yeah, yeah. When you're telling me that, I don't, I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure it was loose, but I don't remember before feeling like if I touch something, is going to no, come down. Not like just before, not where we were diving. Yeah, yeah. But that's going to make it nicer. Uh, have we been out in the boat since they've dredged? Yes. We, can you notice it in the depth finder that Definitely. The, the bottom's down? Definitely. Uh, and the channel is much wider. Um, much wider. Yeah, because last year they did that emergency dredging, and I think all they did was, you know, they, they may have dredged enough to get the boats in, but that mm-hmm. it just gave a new place for the sand that was already there to slide into. And it seems this year they're a little bit more aggressive with uh, the dredging. I just wish I knew where they took the tailings. Yeah. They took it to the airport. Uh, is that where it ended up? 
Yeah, it's a fill line. I looked at that today as a side note. <laughs> <laughs> and no, you can't get there. Hmm. Well, I can get there. I could just have to watch out for if other you, people knowing I'm there. Well, no, you, fence, yes. Well, you just get like a little FAA badge and... That's where you can get in, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just don't let the... When, when you hear that noise and you look up, smile because that's the drone taking your picture. The drones. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's, the point is when you hear that noise, you don't look up. That's the key. Yeah, that's why I've got that. That's why I got my... Uh, my uh, Mac latex mask that I wear whenever I'm doing stuff like that. That's okay. I have one like yours. <laughs> when I run through these lights, you know, have the cameras, I sort of yeah. wave them in a funny way. It's my winter diving mask. Yes. Uh, keep the breeze off my face, man. Come on. Right. Yeah. Keeps the water off, you know. Keeps the chill off my face. Absolutely. So that was a good dive, and then we did the, the mandatory post-dive briefing. Went back to the dive shop, and there was some nice turkey soup there. Hot turkey soup. Hot. It was, it was, and that was hot. I and mean, that yeah. was about to peel your skin off. It was very, very good, though. As it was. Well, uh, thank you. And then, thank you. Yep. And then we went and uh, did the, uh, what was it, went to Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut this time, yep. I yeah. think that might be the last year for Pizza <laughs> Hut. <laughs> yeah, it's a, they have a nice room there, yeah. but they just can't figure out how to do service. We'll have to find something closer or farther away. So what's the plan for this weekend? Any diving going on? Well, Bob posted a note a little while ago that he's thinking about doing a Saturday evening slash night dive on the pier if it's calm. Mm. Take his boat out Yeah, off his boat. And I said it was a good idea, but, you know, I'm not to wait and see what Saturday brings. But uh, I was thinking about hitting the the river in Niles on Sunday afternoon to see if I could find another honey hole that Mac missed. That yeah. whole left bank is your honey hole. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we yeah, can... I, I think there's a season of work in that, that area or more. Well, I think there's a season of just the stuff that we can easily get to now and it's going to replenish itself. Well, we'll tell you tomorrow night how good it is. Oh, okay. oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Did uh. I tell you I'm not working tomorrow? Kodiak opens up tomorrow, first time in many, many months, 11 o'clock. So we're going to run over to Kodiak, get free T-shirts, we hope. And then some of the thought was then to sort of adjourn back to the river. Oh. Hmm. Things hmm. like Mr. Mr. Ken and Sir Larry have brandy new, very, very nice dry suits. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yes, they do. We spent all day yesterday in Chicago where they picked them up and bought extra gloves and rings and boots. Well, they already had their dry suits. True, but they went up there to pick them up, try them on, get the techniques, learn how to change out the cuffs and the necks. Oh. Had extras and bought different gloves. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they, they got the latex, the, not the latex, the silicone seals, didn't they? Yeah, and then we uh, stopped at Cabela's, of course, on the way back, and it was late when I got home. Mm. So you guys are planning to hit the river tomorrow, huh? Well, they had talked about it. I told them I will think about it, but I may uh, be surface support because if they're going to do their test out, yeah, it'd be good having somebody on, on top side. I did go yeah. out to Pawpaw today. The little lakes, like Little Pawpaw has ice on 40%, especially around the edges. Big Pawpaw looks nice visibility off the end of the pier. You can see the bottom. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that was with no sunlight. Mm. 
Uh, I know uh, Sister Lakes are freezing over. It's dark when I go by, in and out, but it appeared that uh, they were ice coated this week. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking that we're going to be able to uh, real early in January be doing ice dives. Yeah. Yep, I'm sure we'll probably have a nice dive for New Year's. When's the last time we've had ice that early? It's been three or four years, hasn't it? No, we had we had ice dive last New Year's. Oh, last New Year's an ice dive? Yes, we did. Yeah, that was like the only one we did then. Yeah. Well, was it an ice dive or was it a skim ice? Was it no, a break no, ice? It was ice dive. Yeah, you cut ice. Yeah, we we want to cut ice in the afternoon because it's too thick. Mm. Yeah, put up the cones and stuff. So when we come back that night, I sure as hell didn't want to mess around with a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much doing the dive and getting down there, it's hauling that gear back in the, oh, in the ass. Yeah. As get older. Yeah. Now, even I'm younger, it's not that fun. Damps up there and picking it up the next day. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need drones for. We need drones. We, we need, like, androids to go and haul our gear for us. Oh, man. That are some young 17-year-olds we could drag out there. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. No, it ain't going to happen. How old's your kid? Yeah. <laughs> What's his hourly rate? Uh, you know, I think he could be bribed. They start getting girlfriends. Oh, you can forget it, man. They want to be partying with their girls and their friends. Yeah, he's hasn't quite gotten that point yet. I think we got maybe another year. Six months. Six months a year, yeah. Three days. Three days. Last week. Yeah, no, his sister's oh, making Saturday, up for him. Yeah, Saturday we got IDPA, so that kills the morning, unless somebody wanted to in the afternoon. And then Sunday, I don't know what people got. I got a concert to go to, so I'm out Sunday. Yeah, I, uh, Sunday may be a possibility. I don't know yet what the weekend's got scheduled. Yeah, it's supposed to be above freezing and no rain this week. And so I'm thinking, yeah, it might not be bad to get out there since I had to work last weekend and since well I don't think my dry suit will be back so I'll have to borrow a suit but that's not a problem I got enough suits that need to be leak tested at the shop I can grab one of them yeah that's always a good excuse <laughs> yeah I'm gonna go leak test a suit this afternoon yeah and he didn't mean pee in it people <laughs> <laughs> well you guys got anything to plug oh uh, let's see no Club party is about the major one coming up, and that's the 31st, but anybody expecting to do any ice diving should be getting in the freaking water weather before then. Yeah, yeah. If, you, yeah. if you're going to yeah. plan on doing that night dive, you probably need to call somebody and let us know so that we can get some dive time just to make sure you're ready. Now, now Jim, you diving this year? Yes. At the Burren Lake. I plan to be Beth, there this year. And Mary Beth will be there. I'll be there, Larry, Ken. So I already know we got that many. Yeah, you got, I think Bob's planning on it as well. Yeah, Bob quite often, yeah, most often does. Yeah. Yep. And we told the new guys, you know, they got a suit. We'll keep the lines on them and just and just duck under and stay there for a minute, and then we'll pull them back out. That's what I did my first couple of years. Well, that's how we start everybody off, unless they've been diving before ice diving. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, someday I get to do that. Maybe when my daughter's off to college or something, maybe I can get to go. You should introduce them to diving, so they will come. Oh, oh let me rephrase that. You will go with them to the ice diving park. Yeah, that's uh, we. I've I've tried that angle. That 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 ship sailed. There's like about a two week period where they were willing to do that, and then it disappeared. Mm, too so, bad. Yep. Well, I will say, um, in most areas, this is a slower time of the year for dive shops. 
So it's a good time to get in and spend a little money because they might be willing to move a little bit on prices right now to help the cash flow. So if you got some Christmas items on your list, uh, talk a little turkey with your dive shop and see what happens. Worst they can say is no. Yeah, I, I saw some of the deals that you had there in Wolf's, and those were nice. Yeah. So if you were on the fence, if you've got gear you need to upgrade, if you haven't bought gear you've been renting and you need to convert, God, it's a perfect time. Then you got all winter to, to get used to it. That's right. And if it doesn't free flow in the winter, you're usually pretty good in the summer then. Now, you can visit us on our website, www.scubaobsessed.com. We're on Twitter, at ScubaObsessed, and we do post some scuba news and article links on that. Uh, you can catch us on the Reno Viola radio network, which is www.renovioloutdoors.com or wrvoradio.com. Uh, also love those five-star reviews, and I haven't actually looked at iTunes in a while and see if we've we've got any. Of course, now i got to know if I can figure out how to find iTunes. And then if you want to see what some of the stuff we're pulling out of the river, mudclub.com, not mudclub.com, mudclub.scubaobsessed.com is the website of the Michigan Underwater Divers Club. Yep, good pictures of the last three weeks diving and some of the crazies. <laughs> some crazies. Also updated under the photo columns. If you just go to photos and click on that, we've updated some of the pictures there of the um, dive site like Benton Harbor, Magician Lake, what it looks like in the ice earlier this year. So there's other pictures you eyeball of dive sites. So you got a good one for us tonight? I think I do. Are you guys ready? Ever ready. Oh, waiting with bated breath. Okay. Or bad breath, one or the other. Let's scroll down there. And here we go. An old diving farmer had a wife who nagged him unmercifully. From morning till night, she was always complaining about something. Only time he got any relief was when he was out diving or plowing the fields with his old mule. He plowed a lot. One day when he was out plowing, his wife brought him lunch in the field. He drove the old mule in the shade, sat down on the stump, and began to eat his lunch. Immediately, his wife began nagging him again. Complain, nag, complain, nag. It just went on and on. All of a sudden, the old mule lashed out with both feet, caught her smack in the back of the head, killed her dead on the spot. At the funeral several days later, minister noticed something rather odd. When a woman mourner would approach the old farmer, he would listen for a minute, then nod his head in agreement. But when a mourner approached him, a male mourner approached him, he would listen for a minute, shake his head in disagreement. This was so consistent, the minister decided he had to ask the old farmer about it. So after the funeral, the minister spoke to the old diving farmer and asked him why he nodded his head in agreement with the women, but always shook his head disagreement with the men. The old diving farmer said, well, the women would come and say something about how nice my wife looked or how pretty she was, and I told, and I would nod my head in agreement. And what about the men, the minister asked. Well, they wanted to know if they could buy the mule if it was for sale. That's not a groaner. That's a good one. <laughs> that one can also get you in trouble in a few states. <laughs> I didn't hear Jim groan. No, I was. I liked that one. That was not a groaner. Oh, the guy could have said, I'll rent it to you. He could have made some money. Yeah, yeah, he could. You could well, I, I, I just wonder how many rentals he could got through before somebody would have got clued onto that. Like, what? Wow, look at this. Uh, the statistics. Kicked in mule by head. Four deaths in three months. Kicked in mule by head. 
Just by kicking me away. We know yeah. it's getting late in the show because that uh, glass must be getting empty. No, it's, it's, it's still about half full. So until, so well, that's because you keep refilling it. Yeah. <laughs> it never has to get empty. So until next week, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And we certainly won't hurt the mule. <laughs> I'm going to have a bottle of wine. I'm supposed to finish tonight. Call recording has been completed.